3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. And good morning. I'm Claudia, coming to you from the studios of 3CR. And for those of you who celebrated Christmas, I hope you had a fabulous time and are now enjoying some R&R. It's the last Wednesday show of the year, and so we're going to wrap up with a slower pace this morning. For those who tune in regularly, uh, you'll know that we've covered an awful lot in 2023 on this program, and there have been some very big issues at hand. We've looked at the war in Gaza and the right to publicly demonstrate, the ethics of AI, questions of truth and responsible media, And of course, how communities stand up to fossil fuel companies threatening Australia's environment, climate and places of Indigenous significance. But thinking of the year as a whole, one question stands out to me as being particularly salient, and that is the future of First Nations people in this country and the way Australians care for that future. In 2023, as we contemplated a voice to Parliament, Discussions about this national issue dominated news content and daily conversations. I'm sure all of our listeners remember that sometimes these conversations were constructive, tended with purpose and care, but sadly, mostly, the rhetoric was destructive and misleading, something that blindsided the Uluru Statement of the Heart campaigners and deeply disappointed many people. The voice referendum promised to be a historic turning point, something that would shift the national humanitarian consciousness and create a new era of self-determination for First Nations people. But instead, as we know, it created confusion, frustration and fear. In a single day, a single word resounded audaciously across the nation, casting hope in shadow and leaving many feeling damp in the heart. So how do we reflect on this? We've brought you a lot of analysis and critique this year on breakfast. So I thought perhaps this morning we'd try something a bit different. I'm going to play a collection of tracks from Australian First Nations artists that act as a reminder of the power of music in communities, for truth-telling, for remembering, and also just to feel good listening. I wonder whether these songs might act as a provocation to reflect on this year of significance in our national consciousness and also to think about how we shape the future. We'll also be hearing from Teela Reid, proud Wiradjuri Wallawang woman, lawyer, and the University of Sydney's inaugural First Nations practitioner in residence. 
and then we'll have some more First Nations music before finishing up the show with another voice, that of historian Lynette Russell, who invites us to look forward from the failed referendum and to embrace history and history education as a tool for change. Before we kick off, I'd like to thank you, our breakfast listeners, for joining me and the Wednesday Breakfast team throughout the year in 2023 and take this opportunity to say, please have a safe and happy new year. We'll be continuing with our summer programming throughout January, so keep tuning in to hear what's coming. But right now, let's kick off our program with a musical medley. This is Kutcher Edwards with Why. truth and lies as she looks at it is gone by oh how it makes 
Edwards there with why you're listening to radical radio 3cr next up we have a track from monica waitman a mori mori woman from townsville who came to nam in her 20s this is rain from the album calm before the storm Yeah. 
little voices heard By little men who hold the big stick Over everyone Little voice cuts like a knife The little men who hold the big stick Over everyone Little voice spreads across the land, across the land. And many people turn their heads But the little men just pretend not to hear Yes, the little men just pretend not to Sings loud and strong, loud and strong, and the big stick it comes down. But the little men just pretend not to hear. Yes, the little men just pretend not to hear. Do, 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 do. Little voice is quiet. Till the people ask where it has gone Little voice, well it gets loud When everybody hears what it has to say Little voice spreads across the, land, across the land And many people turn their heads But the little men just pretend not to hear Yes, the little men just pretend not to hear Sings loud and, strong. loud and strong And the big stick It comes down But the little man Just pretend Not to hear Yes The little man Just pretend Not to hear Little voice Is you and me That was Little Voice by Charcoal Club. And before that, we heard Rain by Monica Waitman. You're listening to Summer Programming on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital and streaming on 3cr.org.au. 
not address the deep underlying issues that still pervade Australian society. And that primary issue is white Australian racism. We've got a clear-cut case here of intentional genocide from the get-go, from the round table in England. The true history in this country isn't told. The government always say that they're committed to a truth-telling process. Well, where is your truth-telling process? I really believe that at the end of the day, the truth will emerge. You can't fight against the truth. It's, it's, a, it's an unstoppable force. It's indestructible. So deal with it. 3CR. Stay tuned, stay radical. You're listening to 3CR Breakfast. I'm your host, Claudia, and I hope you're enjoying the program this morning. This is Women's Business.
feisty one from Ruby Hunter. That was Women's Business, and that was from the Thoughts Within album released in 1994. And that was Ruby Hunter's first solo album and the first solo album released by an Aboriginal woman in Australia. We're going to head to a track now from Patricia Clark. This is Keep the Fires Burning. Keep the fires burning Keep the fires burning We are coming home now To the land We're going to sing
And that was Keep the Fires Burning by Patricia Clark. You're listening to summer programming on 3CR Breakfast. Stay tuned to 3CR on 855 AM, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. And if you've just tuned in, we've been listening to a medley of Australian First Nations music and songs. We're now going to hear from Teela Reid, a proud Wiradjuri and Welwan woman, lawyer and the University of Sydney's inaugural First Nations practitioner in residence. Teela spoke alongside Noel Pearson at the inaugural Voices on the Voice Sydney Ideas event at the University of Sydney on the 22nd of May. Let's take a listen back. We have one more, one more part of the evening. Uh, I'd like to invite Teela Reid, who's a proud Wiradjuri and Whalewan woman, a lawyer, essayist, storyteller and co-founder of Blackfella, uh, Blackfella Book Club, a platform that honours First Nations ancestors as the original storytellers. Currently, Teela is a Sydney-based senior solicitor practising in Aboriginal land rights litigation and is the inaugural First Nations lawyer in residence at the Sydney Law School. Please, Teela. You stay there. Mangdangu, Injamara, thank you. Respect you, Noel. On behalf of the University of Sydney Law School as the First Nations lawyer in residence, um, it is with great honour that I welcome Noel back and thank him for his time here um, back at his alma mater. As Noel points out, it has been, it can be a lonely place as one of the only Aboriginal people um, in an institution within colonial foundations. His time here has no doubt shaped the trajectory of his advocacy. The practice of law takes discipline. And to arrive at this moment in time in history is truly groundbreaking. We know the world is watching. When it comes to the Uluru Statement from the Heart, the voice is simply the starting point. It is not the end goal. Makarata, peace, the end of the struggle. The invitation at the heart of the Uluru Statement is a reminder that real change happens when ideas and strategies, when words on paper are put into action. We often get lost in the debate of the words in the statement, and I want to emphasize this point. The significance of the artwork around the Uluru Statement, the gift of the Jukupa law, an ancient jurisprudence that has always existed here in this place, on this land, within story of the First Nations peoples. I also want to give a special thanks to Alex Evans and her team and Lisa Pulver-Jackson, um, who are responsible for organising tonight. It is so important that teams like that exist within institutions like this to continually create space for First Nations issues from a First Nations perspective, to elevate the voices of First Nations in our everyday business. I want to pay tribute to everyone here tonight and to those who are not, particularly to the many giants who have fought 
the front line, and are now with our ancestors. I was a working group leader on Section 5126 at the Sydney Constitutional Dialogue that culminated in the Uluru Statement from the Heart. During that process and that dialogue, it was Uncle Sol Belair, a land rights giant who took me under his wing. Uncle Sol, this is for you and many other giants like Mum Shell. So in closing, I am going to recite for you the Uluru Statement from the heart. We gathered at the 2017 National Constitutional Convention, coming from all points of the southern sky, make this statement from the heart. Our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes are the first sovereign nations of the Australian continent and its adjacent islands and possessed it under our own laws and customs. This our ancestors did according to the reckoning of our culture from the creation, according to the common law from time immemorial and according to science more than 60,000 years ago. This sovereignty is a spiritual notion, the ancestral tie between the land or Mother Nature and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who were born therefrom remain attached thereto and must one day return thither to be united with our ancestors. This link is the basis of the ownership of the soil, or better, of sovereignty. It has never been ceded or extinguished and coexists with the sovereignty of the crown. How could it be otherwise that a people's possessed a land for 60 millennia and this sacred link disappears from world history in merely the last 200 years? With substantive constitutional change and structural reform, we believe this ancient sovereignty can shine through a fuller expression of Australia's nationhood. Proportionally, we are the most incarcerated peoples on the planet. We are not an innately criminal people. Our children are aliened from their families at unprecedented rates. It cannot be because we have no love for them. And our youth languish in detention, in obscene numbers. They should be our hope for the future. These dimensions of our crisis tell plainly the structural nature of our problem. This is the torment of our powerlessness. We see constitutional reforms to empower our people and take a rightful place in our own country. When we have power over our destiny, our children will flourish. They will walk into worlds and their culture will be a gift to their country. We call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution. Makarata is the culmination of our agenda, the coming together after a struggle. It captures our aspirations for a fair and truthful relationship with the people of Australia and a better future for our children based on justice and self-determination. We seek a Makarata Commission to supervise a process of agreements between governments, 
and the First Nations and truth-telling about our history. In 1967, we were counted. In 2017, we seek to be heard. As we leave base camp and start our trek across this vast country, we invite you to walk with us in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. And in 2023, let's vote yes. Thank you.
You're listening to 3CR Breakfast. I'm your host, Claudia, and I hope you're enjoying the program this morning. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. We're now going to go to a track by the Mills Sisters, a group of three sisters who started singing in pubs on Thursday Island back in the 1950s. The Mills Sisters rose to international fame and opened for Tina Turner in 1988. They're credited with putting the Torres Strait Islands on the map through their music and cultural influence. So this one is Are You From T.I.? The Mills Sisters. Hey, I'm Lady Lash. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, the voice of the set. 3CR is so awesome, giving the platform for people's voices to be heard and people's gifts to be heard. And always remember that you are amazing. Wait, that is the symptom of the problem. 
What we're seeing is obscenely well-remunerated vice-chancellors. It's appalling how badly universities have been treating their casual workers. They want to pretend that they can continue on with business as usual. Well, comrades, we're here to say no. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital, and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. Next up, we have Emma Donovan with Curry Time, and then we're going to hear a little bit of Leah Flanagan, September Song.
flash across the skyline mm, They're never the same But always as beautiful as the lies
Leah Flanagan there with September Song. And while we're up in the top end, Leah Flanagan's a Darwin woman. We're going to go to Fitzroy Crossing with the Rumpy Band. Back again sometime 
Listening to 3CR Radio. And you certainly are listening to 3CR Radio. We're going to hear a song from Dan Sultan now. This is Goddess Love. There I said it, you have won my heart. 
Diane Sultan with Goddess Love. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on the dial. We'll be back in a moment with a couple of tracks from Archie Roach. Strong, healthy relationships are a major contributor to a content and fulfilling life. Being supported by friends, family and colleagues can make a world of difference during tough times. We caught up with Anastasia Simons from Are You OK? to find out more. Strong interpersonal relationships, so having people that you can rely on, people in your life that you can know you can turn to when times are tough, is a really important protective factor through all of life's challenges. Through those moments where we might feel a little bit overwhelmed, we might feel anxious, or we might indeed be be facing something that we do need some extra support for. So being able to have people that you can turn to, people that you've invested time, energy, and of course, created those strong connections with is really important. And what research has shown us is that that sense of connection, that sense of belonging, which is so often driven by those interpersonal relationships, can be a protective factor against suicide. So Are You Okay focuses on ensuring that people do feel connected, that there are people in their life that they can turn to, and there are people that they can rely on through all of life's ups and downs. To get some practical advice on how to build stronger relationships and to access a range of information on how to support yourself and those around you through difficult times, why not head to areyouok.org.au. The Community Radio Suicide Prevention Project is produced with the support of the Australian Government Department of Health. For 200 years we've been beating down Too long on the door My dignity I'm losing here Mentally I'm on There's a system here that nails us And we're left out in the cold Oh, they took our life and liberty friends But they could not buy our soul Joe Hill died, Jacob Vara fought, Pamela Wiley down dead. If a person speaks out critically here, they could get loaded down with lead. How long can the majority wait for their story to unfold? Oh, they took their life and liberty friends, but they could not buy their soul. But the clever man spoke precisely Humanity said was done The greed for greed could not proceed If our struggles to be won For humanity is more important here Than a constant quest for gold Ah, you may take life and liberty, friends But you cannot buy our soul donkey up through that gate and he could see quite clearly he was going to meet his fate 
And the pals would be could see that he could not be born or so. Ah, they took his life and lived their friends, but they could not buy his soul. Yeah, they took his life and lived their friends, but they could not buy his soul. Cannot Buy My Soul by Archie Roach. And here's another track from the wonderful Songman. This is Bicentennial Blues. Sitting in the bar still feeling sad 
It seems the only thing that makes me feel glad Is to have my people by my side Cause together we're gonna turn the tide But no matter what joy my people bring I just can't seem to shake this thing Well, I tried so hard, but I just can't lose No, I just can't shake these bicentennial blues No, never felt this bad before I'm sick to my stomach and my head feels sore And I won't feel better till the white man pays his And I've been missing for too long on the tribal dance and the tribal song got no good low down by centennial blue I got them no good low down by centennial blue I Kalachi there with Bicentennial Blues and lots of messages there for us to think about. Boobap Jazz. The Milky Way looks good in the night skies. The stars open a short from my dark eyes. Complex hey, I'm Lady Lash. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, the voice of the set. 3CR is so awesome, giving the platform for people's voices to be heard and people's gifts to be heard. And always remember that you are amazing. You're listening to 3CR Breakfast. And if you've just tuned in, We've been listening to a medley of Australian First Nations artists. Next up, we're going to revisit a conversation I had with distinguished scholar Lynette Russell. Professor Russell is a Sir John Monash Distinguished Professor and Australian Research Council Laureate Professor working at Monash University's Indigenous Studies Centre. Her illustrious career spans three decades, covering the 16th to 20th centuries of Australian history. Professor Russell was an active promoter of the Voice to Parliament and co-authored a book with Melissa Caston called Time to Listen, an Indigenous Voice to Parliament. Professor Russell's Aboriginal ancestors were born on the lands of the Wachabolic people in Western Victoria, and her British descendants were transported to Australia as convicts. I spoke to her following a week's silence to hear her thoughts on the referendum outcome and the future of history and history education in Australia. Let's take a listen back. Welcome, Professor Russell. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. First, I'd like to thank you for making time to speak to our listeners today. There's just been a week's silence to allow First Nations people time to take stock of the referendum result. How was this time for you? It was definitely a time of deep reflection. Uh, it was 
very conscious of the fact that I didn't want to be speaking to media or out publicly. And obviously, my inaugural lecture had already been um, scheduled some months ago. So I still gave the lecture, but requested that nobody put it on social media until the end of the week of silence. And certainly no one was to... It's been recorded, but it wasn't to be played until the week of silence. But it's also a kind of optimism. I know that uh, sounds a little glass half full, but I feel that nearly 7 million Australians voted yes. And I think that's 7 million allies that we really can start to work with and rely on and make some changes. Can you tell us what about the referendum, whether it be the campaign, the result, has impacted you the most? Um, well, definitely the result. It was the rapidity with which we knew the result. I, I you know, it was just about 84 minutes or something. Um, and, mm. and Anthony Green announced that it could not win. Mm. Um, I think it's also conceiving of it in, in terms such as a win or a loss. Um, I feel like just the whole kind of language around the the process is really problematic. Um, and I don't think the no, I mean, some no campaigners, no doubt, will feel that they won. But by no means did every single person who vote no um, reject Aboriginal mm. people or an Aboriginal voice. So I think there's room there for us to, to think about this deeply and move forward. Thank you. There has been a lot of talk about the need for truth-telling in relation to Australia's history. I'd like to hear your view on the best place or vehicle for this truth-telling. Is it through truth-telling commissions like Victoria's Uruk Justice Commission, through our museums and arts, the collection of oral histories, or is it via better education in schools and universities? I guess it's all of the above, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think there is an absolutely a role for the Truth Commission, such as what we have here in Melbourne and I'm in Victoria. I'm so pleased to live in a state that is addressing the question of truth. I'm also very conscious that there is a role to play for museums, uh, and indeed, for that, frankly, um, for galleries, for various institutions, libraries even. But the crucial, the most important thing has to be in our education. We have to teach students at every level the true history of Australia and that's I'm not talking about a black armband view I think many wonderful things happened in our history but I think we do also need to deal with the fact that we are on unceded land and there was violence associated with the quote-unquote colonization or settlement of Australia and maybe that's something we could attempt could deal with in the education system. So let's um, talk a little bit more in detail about the education system. Starting with schools in the sort of secondary level, is the curriculum adequately conveying the breadth and depth of First Nations history uh, or is it still leaving things out or minimising events such as the frontier wars Certainly touching on it. A lot of it is also depending on the, the degree of motivation of individual teachers, and we, we, we are aware of that. I think it's really important to understand that, that teaching history, um, particularly at high school, it's often not the specialist subject of the individual teacher. They can mm. be trained in something else in their teaching history as their second or third subject that they, they teach. Um, 
I keep a really close eye on what's happening in terms of the newsletters and the you know the publications that high school teachers uh, have access to, and I'm I am surprised that sometimes the standard is is still pretty poor. Um, I'm very conscious of the fact that textbooks still give maybe one or two quick chapters to the pre-European history and then quickly escalate it off to the Rum Rebellion and First Fleet and the you know the next the rest of the book is literally dedicated to to European history and not Indigenous histories. Um, I think there's I mean we've got a We've got a history in this country that goes back 65,000 years. I think it deserves more than a couple of quick chapters or lessons. Particularly when subjects like ancient China are being uh, shared with our young learners and we're not giving that context in our own country. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that you do see, and you see this around the world, often, um, often you will use the history of another place to, in a sense explore um, key themes that are actually relevant in your own history, but for whatever reason aren't being acknowledged. Can you give an example? I've always found it really interesting, for example, that um, in Austria, um, there's a huge amount of people studying Australian history, and yet Austrian history was much less popular, which I find quite peculiar. So mm. I, I feel that it's, um, it's, it's a... They're using our history as a lens through which they might explore some of the themes that perhaps are relevant to their own history. And I think it happens here in Australia too. We've got, you know, people are still studying, you know, Russian history. And it's all very good. I'm very, I'm very much in favour of people studying all sorts of history. I just don't want it to be at the expense of Australian history because it's pretty important. And in the talk you gave uh, last week, you spoke about the problem of enrolment numbers in history subjects. Is that an observation across the board of history subjects or is it particularly in relation to Australian history? And is the trend present at both VCE and university levels? It certainly is and it's across all history. Um, The drop in numbers of students enrolling in history units at university continues to drop. And I think that by studying history, it teaches you an enormous number of skills, but it also gives you significant background. And we get, you know, we get a lot of students studying Indigenous histories, but by no means um, most. And those that do study it often take it further. And we've got a lot of former students of ours who are working in, in the public service, in government policy areas, and many of them working in museums and art galleries, libraries. It actually gives you a whole set of skills that you can can take into the workplace. I don't think that's when it's not selling it very well. So what changes would you like to see in the way history is taught or promoted to encourage well, more people to take this on? Sure. I think um, there's, there's a lot we can do in the digital space. Um, you know, the students who are coming to university and students in high schools these days are absolutely digital natives and they're very, very literate in that space. And I think there's a lot we could be doing, interactive gaming. You know, there's a whole lot of things we can do with with the history um, and make it really interesting and engaging. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to say fun because obviously some of it's dark and some of it's pretty bleak. But I think there's ways in which we could teach it that would be perhaps a little bit more than chalk and talk, which mm. is essentially what, our, what we still do, even though we call them PowerPoints and they're electronic. I mean, 
it's still basically chalk and talk. And it's, um, yeah, it really um, does make a difference. I studied uh, Japanese language across a number of decades, I suppose you could say, because I studied it as a secondary and university student when I did my first degree. But then I went back to Monash five years ago and did some more more studies there. And the the change in the way the material was presented and the, the very contemporary space that they were bringing um, the material to the students, I was just blown over. I mean, the the, the use of things like, you know, YouTube and gaming and all of those interactive uh, mechanisms were built into the PowerPoints. They were built into the class activities, into the um, activities we did outside the classroom. And it, it was actually fun. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I was really amazed and impressed at the, the way it was being taught and, you know, and the, the, the numbers of students <laughs> were probably reflected in that huge numbers of students taking yeah. the, the subject. I think the other thing about doing that is some of my younger colleagues are really good at that. Uh, we should be really celebrating their teaching um, and, and not seeing it you know, as, as somehow just just a, an added extra. I mean, let's listen the way they deliver these really exciting and interesting um, subjects. I think that's a great example for Japanese. So coming back to Australian history, you also mentioned that you'd like to see an intervention in the debate about history and national identity. I wanted to find out what you meant by that. Sure. I think Australia's um, obsession with its national identity and its focus on the British um, continues even to today. Um, we still have this kind of idea that everything everything begins and ends with Britain, really. It's, you know, 1770, Cook. You know, quote-unquote discovery is still taught as a discovery, is exploration of the east coast of Australia. And I think even, you know, 60% of Australians have at least one parent born overseas. We're, we're deeply multicultural. But the conservative side of politics in particular keeps pushing this really kind of monocultural view. But I think that an intervention to really start to think about history in Australia beginning 65,000 years ago, and start to really think about all the changes that took place during that time, and then take it up to, to the present, teaching our students and enthusing them. Because I mean, I'm passionate about this stuff. It's so exciting to me. And I find it amusing that people just focus on that for the 235 years. Yeah, certainly. I hope that there's some engagement at this, almost the structural level of how history is being taught in the curriculum. And we would love to talk to you again about any changes or developments in that space. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And that was Sir John Monash, Distinguished Professor and Australian Research Council Laureate Professor Lynette Russell from Monash University's Indigenous Studies Centre, sharing her reflections on the voice to Parliament, referendum and the future of history in Australian education. I'd like to thank our breakfast listeners for joining me and the Wednesday Breakfast team throughout the year in 2023 and take this opportunity to say... Please have a safe and happy new year. And we're going to go out with a song from Shelley Morris and Stephen Pigram. 
This is a rendition of Somewhere Over the Rainbow performed at Hamer Hall in Nam as part of the Morindak Black Arm Band back in 2006. I hope you enjoy this. As we stand at the crossroads and we look at our future, the challenge is not to wear the black armband or the white blindfold, but to have the courage and wisdom to mark out a future that we can be proud to hand on to the next generations. of the rainbow so pretty in the sky 
also on the faces of people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I, I love you. I hear babies cry, and I watch them grow. They'll know much more than we all know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world ah, Someday I wish upon a star Wake up where the clouds are far behind Be And trouble melts like lemon drops High above the chimney tops That's where you'll find CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au.